I'm Sarah Resnick. And I'm LaShawn Moore. And we are the hosts of the Weave Podcast, a project of the weaving yarn shop, Just Yarn and Fiber. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 96 of the Weave Podcast. This week on the podcast, I'm speaking with Kristen Arts of Scrambles Quilts. Kristen is a quilter, natural dye grower, and artist instructor residing in Oakland, California. Kristen fuses yoga and wellness with her fiber practice, and I'm excited to have her on the podcast today. Hey, Kristen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, LaShawn, thanks so much for having me. Can you start out by introducing yourself and telling us a bit about your background? Yeah, my name is Kristen Arts on social media. I'm Scrambles Quilts. And I'm a natural dyer, a quilter, and an arts educator that's based in Oakland, California. Um, I've been in Oakland for the last eight years. And in Oakland, I teach natural dye classes throughout the Bay Area. Um, I'm also the textiles department head of the Crucible, which is an arts education nonprofit here in Oakland. That sounds awesome. Can you talk a little bit about the Crucible? I'm really curious as to what kind of work you do there. Yeah, definitely. So the Crucible is an amazing organization. It's been around for the last 20 years in Oakland, and they have public art classes, um, mostly in the industrial arts. So you can go there and learn how to blow glass or how to be a blacksmith. Um, And most recently, you can learn how to take natural or how to be a natural dyer. Um, In the last year, we launched that program. So They do amazing work. Um, They have a lot of scholarship opportunities. So everyone from like age eight to 80 plus could go on on a youth or an adult scholarship to take classes. Um, And we've seen just like the most amazing success of some youth that have taken classes there, you know, starting at age 14, they might take a welding class. And now like eight or 10 years later, they're actually professional welders or welding instructors. Um, So it's an amazing organization that I'm super stoked to be a part of. And as the department head in the textiles area, we are just developing new classes and bringing in new teachers and really kind of nurturing that aspect of the organization. So how did you gain skills in natural dyeing and farming? Um, So I grew up on a farm out in western Maryland, which is pretty rural. And we had cattle, um, chickens, horses, and a bunch of different pets. And also we grew a lot of vegetables. Um, we lived with my grandparents. My grandfather was the cattle farmer and my grandma had just an immense amount of plant knowledge. We would go as kids, just like walking on little adventures in the woods and we'd bring back, you know, any plant that we had a, like a question about, and she would just be able to spitfire all the facts about them. (laughs) And so she was just like an encyclopedia Um, And she also taught me how to sew on her singer, which is one of the big old, the table ones from the 50s. Um, I wish I could bring it to my studio in Oakland, but (laughs) it's pretty huge. So yeah, my grandma 
was a huge inspiration to me in pursuit of plant knowledge and textiles arts when I was growing up and continues to be. Um, and I think my first like real introduction into natural dyes was about 10 years ago. I was working for some small sustainable fashion companies in New York and it felt like a really natural progression coming from the farm and kind of having that background of foraging and then applying it to the clothing that I was wearing and kind of a more like everyday practical sense um, and also just having the general awareness of how toxic and really not sustainable the fashion industry like had been. Um, so being in New York got me really interested in it and then I actually got to apply that curiosity in a hands-on way when I moved to Oakland and I was taking a few free uh, textiles classes at City College of San Francisco. They had a free quilting class and some textile design classes there too. And our teacher, her name is Patricia Bruvy. She's an amazing art quilter and dyer here in the Bay. And she introduced us to indigo in class. And from there, like I feel like a lot of people might be able to relate. Um, I was totally hooked and kind of hypnotized. And I just wanted to understand it, you know, as best as I possibly could. Um, and yeah, the idea of combining that with a quilting class and kind of what still rings true for me with quilting is being able to create like the most unique pattern possible and having even more of a part of creating your quilt by making these really unique patterns with um, the natural plants and the natural dyes. And something that really keeps me coming back to natural dyes like every day <laughs> is the appeal that you're never like really done learning about the plants. Um, mm. You could mix like countless indigo vats or you know grow countless indigo plants and extract countless grams of indigo pigment from the plants but every single time it's going to be different and that's really just what what keeps me coming back to it every single day and can you kind of talk more about quilting and the art form maybe give us a little bit of history of where it comes from yeah, yeah. So quilting, quilts as we know them in the modern time have three different parts. Um, it's basically, the way I was taught is it's a sandwich. <laughs> so you start with the quilt top, which is usually pieced or like the more kind of ornate design of a quilt. And then in the center, there's the batting, which is just like a, a puffy cotton or wool um, kind of filling and sometimes with polyester too and then you have a quilt back and the back is usually just a whole piece of cloth and or it could be pieced too to have some like unique element of design um, but quilting is really amazing because we've been doing it as human beings for thousands and thousands of years just like simply out of necessity you know to stay warm mm. And I think the oldest quilt goes back to like 5,000 BC, way back. Um, and 
Yeah, so you need them just to stay warm in bed. I know people would put them over like a drafty window or a drafty door to insulate their home. And they are just like beautifully passed down as heirlooms throughout families and and whole communities are really like built around the act of quilting um, through quilting bees where people gather and quilt together. And there's also a network of regional quilt guilds throughout the world. So in Oakland, we have the East Bay Regional Quilt Guild, and then there's a separate one in San Francisco. So a lot of even, you know, small towns and major cities have regional quilt guilds. So you could really come together in that way. That's really awesome. It sounds a lot like weaving and fiber guilds that we have around the country as well. Can you also kind of speak to your aesthetic? Can you kind of speak to how you come up with your designs? What's influenced your style? And if you have any specific techniques or materials that you like to work with? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I personally identify as an improvisational quilter. So a lot of my work is just like kind of a work-as-you-go style. Um, In contrast, there are quilters who I deeply respect who plan out every kind of half square triangle or, you know, they take out a pad of graph paper and, like, know exactly what they're getting into before they start their work. Um, But I, I just really like to work with it as I go. Um, A lot of my designs are kind of visual translations of a meditation practice. And so I'll kind of see the quilt before in my mind with my eyes closed, focusing on my breath and then come out of that and just know what I have to do based on what's, what I saw in my mind. Um, yeah. And in terms of techniques and things like that, I often, I work with natural dyes and I hand quilt my quilts, um, usually with, with white sashiko thread or, which is just like a thicker type of, um, natural fiber and almost embroidery floss, but a little bit thinner and, or a naturally dyed version of that sashiko thread. And so I hand quilt them. Um, in terms of techniques, one of my, one of my favorite quilts that I've ever made, I think we all have favorite, like a favorite kit or something, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, was made using a clay paste resist, which was painted onto cotton. And that clay resist is really, really interesting. It repels natural indigo when you dye it in the indigo vat. Um, and you can only use the clay paste with indigo. So if I were to put it in any other kind of natural dye vat, it would just disintegrate the clay paste and it would, you know, come out maybe of a solid color. Um, but with indigo, they work really well together. And so I kind of just improvised different strokes, hand painted and screen printed the clay with some with some different circles, like really simple shapes, and then pieced it together in an improv manner. Um, And 
Yeah, that quilt, that quilt is called Boundary, and I made it when I was at the Penland School of Crafts, uh, I think two years ago. I was taking a natural dyeing and quilting class there, and Penland is an amazing uh, craft school in Western North Carolina. And they have, they actually, when you're there over the summer, have daily yoga and meditation classes. And so that quilt boundary was, I saw it when I was in my shavasana after the yoga class and I popped right up and was like, I know exactly what I have to do. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's a little bit about the technique and process. That sounds amazing. You also mentioned a specific thread that I didn't catch the name of. Oh, yeah. It's Sashiko thread. It's a Japanese technique. I think it's traditionally used when mending by hand. So you'll see it. um, These days, a lot of people are kind of patching up their denim with Sashiko thread. Mm. Yeah, it's a beautiful, just like white, kind of heavier weight thread yeah I think I know what you're talking about it's the thread that kind of looks like a cross between like thread and yarn yeah exactly yeah that's so cool and it's it's really interesting to kind of hear you talk about the ways that you've kind of learned both skills or come into both spaces in this really organic way Can you kind of talk about your garden and how you grow your plants and how you're able to use that as a part of your practice as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, We have at my house in Oakland, we're really lucky to have outdoor space. I feel very, very grateful for that. A lot of people in the Bay um, aren't as lucky to have uh, gardens and things. So we have vegetables, um, we have some medicinal plants, and we also have a variety of just different dye plants and flowers. And in terms of dye plants, I'd say the biggest kind of, the biggest ones that I have are weld, which creates a really beautiful, really bright, light, fast yellow dye. And I also have matter, which creates the color red. And since those two plants, weld and matter, tend to kind of take over the space, <laughs> um, I have them in the same bed together so they can, mm. yeah. And they're both pretty low maintenance, um, except for the matter, which takes up to five years for the pigment, pigment to produce in the roots. But I'm, I'm willing to wait. And yeah. Yeah, matter is gorgeous. So I understand the wait. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. And we also have uh, Japanese indigo, and that's in about three of my garden beds. And I process the pigment of my indigo just on like a personal scale right now for my own experimentation. Um, I teach a lot of indigo classes in the Bay, like sometimes maybe once per week, once or twice a week. So there's no way at this point that I would be able to offer all of my own <laughs> pigment to those classes, but that's that that can be a goal. Um, but I do get to share uh, free seeds because indigo is pretty prolific with the seeds and seedlings with my classes. So I encourage people to grow their own indigo if they if they're comfortable with that. Um, 
Yeah, the other day I was weeding my Japanese indigo beds. This was just last week because I was getting ready to germinate some new seeds because it's almost like a springtime kind of climate right now here in Oakland. Mm. And I found all of these self-germinated seedlings that I was almost about to pull out as weeds. And I just like ran around in circles. <laughs> so I, it was like like Christmas morning. Yeah, that's so exciting. Yeah. And in Oakland, is that considered like a more northern climate? Is that why you grow weld? Yeah. I mean, from from what I understand, I think weld is pretty hardy. I've only grown it in Oakland, so I can't speak to like personally how it would grow in other parts of the country. And what is it like in Oakland, California? Like, I know you mentioned working at the school and doing workshops, but are there other weavers and fiber enthusiasts in the area? Is there like a big community of fiber folks? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we're really, really lucky in the Bay Area to have so many incredible natural dyers and, and textile artists here. Um, a verb for keeping warm, which is a pretty... A prolific natural dye and knitting shop is here in Oakland, and Fiber Shed is was founded in Northern California, so pretty nearby. Um, uh, Corey Hargraves, who's known as Ecotone Threads, is also she's based in Santa Cruz, and she her blog is actually like my guiding light when it comes to processing my dye plants she's an amazing resource for those types of just like step-by-step like (laughs) no-nonsense information about processing indigo pigment or harvesting matter root and that sort of thing so yeah we have we have a lot of resources here in Oakland and um, you know some of my closest friends are weavers and and the community is just really rich and vibrant with creativity so I know I know people that like make pickles for a living as their full-time job and, you know, or spoon carvers and musicians and that kind of thing. So very grateful to be a part of such a, such a vibrant place. Sounds like a a artist wonderland. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty fun. And I'm also curious about where the name Scramble Quilts comes from. Yeah, my... My nickname is Scrambles. Um, my sisters gave it to me when we were younger. We would like go out to the, the chicken coop every morning and get some eggs. And there was just like, <laughs> there was just like one week where I made a different scramble every morning. And they just started calling me Scrambles um, for fun. And then it really, it just kind of fit. I think over time, maybe I grew into it or something like that, but I feel like stylistically it kind of represents the work that I'm making because it's kind of, you know, funky or all over the all over the place in like a good way. And uh, it's my Scrambles Quilts is my business and it's just a mix of all my favorite things, like a, of teaching and sharing natural dyes and creating quilts and exploring plants and all the possibilities there. That's so sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
And can you also talk about how you're able to sort of sustain your business? I know that we've spoken a bit about how you are growing and farming, but like, can you talk about um, how you're growing? What type of, you know, systems are you using? Are you organic? And also, you know, just how you're able to create a living off of being an artist and being a creative. Yeah. Yeah. All the plants that we grow at my house are our- organic. Um, we mix our own soil and compost. Um, I used to have chickens so they've since, you know, lived, moved on to their next life, but we still have a lot of their manure from when we had them in our coop. And so mixing that in with our soil and our compost is always a really special kind of enriching treat. And Yeah, I grow a lot of my plants that I bring to classes. I teach um, bundle dyeing classes as well. So a lot of the flowers and um, just different plants in my yard work really well for that class. And yeah, I would say bundle sourcing the materials for bundle dyeing is one of my like greatest sustainability pursuits. Um, I forage a lot of local plants here in Oakland for that class and a lot of invasive species um, that are great for dying, like eucalyptus trees, um, oxalis, which is a bright yellow flower that's fun to die with, and also wild fennel. So those are kind of the big three. When they're you know available to me, I bring those to classes. And I also have developed relationships with a few local florists in the area and I'm super grateful to them because they give me their leftover flowers from like their flower shop I'll do a pickup maybe once a week or wedding season they're just overwhelmed with the amount of roses that they have or dahlias and so I'm able to collect those bring them to class and you know dry them and save them for other classes. And yeah, one of my florist friends and I actually have started going dumpster diving at the flower mart with their permission. (laughs) Yeah, they, they get a, they kind of find it amusing, I think. Um, And then uh, I also run around to grocery stores and collect produce that would otherwise be thrown away. So onion skins or cabbage and those sorts of things work well for bundle dyeing too. And yeah, I grow my own plants to bring to class. And those plants that I do dye or do buy or purchase, I get from companies that I know are sourcing them ethically. And I know that Botanical Colors does a really great job of understanding where where their dyes come from. I know Kathy Hattori, who's the founder, visits a lot of the the spaces that are creating the dyes for her. And I think she does a good job of kind of checking that out. So I feel comfortable buying from botanical colors. Um, In terms of challenges, there are always challenges. (laughs) I I left my full-time job to pursue Scrambles Quilts uh, 24-7 about I think it was seven months ago Wow. yeah so I'm always finding a balance or working to find a balance like within myself um, trying to be a nice boss and 
familiarizing myself with the business aspects of being self-employed and, and just, yeah, finding a, finding a healthy balance between everything. Wow. And how has it been, um, sort of leaving the full-time job and transitioning to being self-employed? It's been amazing. Um, my full-time job was actually at the crucible and I worked in their office full-time. Um, and just a little like a reflecting on my time there was really kind of set me up and inspired me to pursue this life as a teacher and an artist because I was surrounded by so many people that were so committed to teaching and so committed to sharing their art with the world. And I'm, I'm grateful to still have, you know, the textiles head position there and to be connected to them. Um, and in terms of like teaching and making work and doing production die jobs, it's been so amazing. I didn't even, I don't know, I didn't think it could possibly be just so, so wonderful. And so I'm, I'm really grateful to be able to do this work and um, every day is a different adventure and I really love that about it. Awesome. And do you have any new projects or future prospects that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, so I have been really excited about kind of combining the act of or the art of meditation with this process with natural dyes and textiles in general because it's been such a huge inspiration to me in my process and so I'm excited to partner with some yoga teachers here in the Bay Area where actually me and my one of my best friends Gabby Coletta who's a yoga teacher are offering a yoga and natural dye retreat in June, which actually just sold out yesterday. <laughs> but if you're interested, um, we're also going to have more workshops popping up around town that are just kind of like a mini version of that retreat. And so I'm excited about that. I'm also excited to partner with more local farmers in the Bay Area and teach workshops on their farms. And this spring, you can look out for a special whole natural dye day of indigo and bundle dyeing at uh, my friend Casey's farm, which is in Escalon, California. So we'll use plants from her dye garden and orchard, and I'm sure we'll have some amazing fruit to snack on too, because she has just a beautiful farm out there. So really excited to offer that too. Amazing. And we'll make sure to put links to all of those in our show notes. And in addition, where can people go on social media and the internet to follow your work? I'm on Instagram. I'm at Scrambles Quilts. And my website is my first and last name. And that's www.kristenarts.com. Amazing. It's been really great talking to you today. And I just have one question before you go. And it's a question that we ask everyone that joins the podcast. And that is, do you have any advice or words of wisdom to share with weavers and textile enthusiasts? I would say go for it. If you've been (laughs) 
curious about experimenting with natural dyes um, or textiles and you feel really called to explore that art form and that like kind of part of yourself, then feed that curiosity and explore it. And it's, it can be really, really accessible. You know, it can be as simple as going for a walk and collecting some oak leaves um, and putting them in a dye pot and bringing that to simmer on your stove and throwing some fiber in there and just seeing what happens. So you can really explore it on your own. Um, and there's a lot of classes out there that are popping up with as natural dyeing is becoming more accessible and um, more kind of mainstream, which is really exciting. So I would just say go for it, see what happens. You'll probably make mistakes. Mistakes are the best. <laughs> Embrace them and learn from them and you know you'll be stronger for for that kind of journey that you're on amazing thank you so much thank you so much this was so special to talk to you and i love the podcast thank you so much i appreciate it and thank you for agreeing to join and sharing your story with us yeah thank you so much i appreciate it that's a wrap if you're interested in finding out more, you can find links in the show notes at www.justyarn.com slash episode 96. Next week on the podcast, I'll be speaking with Melanie Cavallero Wallace, owner of Fiber Studio in South Philadelphia. So stay tuned next week for that episode. And until next time, happy weaving. Happy weaving.